The importance of habits and rituals in marketing. This is the topic of our show today. This is Brand Igniter, helping brand leaders achieve exceptional business results. Here is your host, Peter Rodriguez. I am Peter Rodriguez, a charter marketer and CMO of Brand Igniter Inc. I welcome you to our podcast. I thank you for listening and I hope you find value in our content. Brand Tips brings knowledge and advice for brand management based on the real-life marketing and business experience that marketers and business leaders find valuable. Today, Mike Farrell and I are talking about the importance of habits and rituals in marketing. Mike is one of North America's true thought leaders on contemporary trends and value studies and an award-winning researcher strategies and an original founder of the visionary Youth Insight Shop Youthography. Mike is the president of RL Insight. Let's get started. How important are habits and rituals in marketing? We were just talking about the beauty of that moment when you're enjoying your coffee in the morning or at a different time of the day, but it is this insight behind the uh, conversations that go uh, around with others and the reflections that you can have with yourself and um, the, 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 the value of having that moment to you. Uh, the, and that's why it is such a huge ritual uh, around the world. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And it, I guess it started with a uh, almost a physical characteristic of it, like an actual basic need to something that can stimulate you as you wake up along with the sun and get you going faster. I wonder wonder where it all started. It'd be interesting if it like, you know, were people drinking some sort of stimulant or chewing coffee beans or something uh, way back in the day when they were like ready to, because the sun's up and we got a hunt or something, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And I'd, I'd like to know where, where that came, but yeah, it certainly morphed in our, in our society, you know, to, but, but the, but the basic premise of it scientifically is to, to get us up, but there's so much more around it now, you know, the ritual, the planning for your day, maybe some people like time alone gets you quite often people use it as stimulant to get out and exercise before they even start their day. And that's a whole other ritual, you know, like Nike bought into that big time, you know, the whole idea of getting out and doing things before. So the idea of ritual and driving, driving, um, products, brands, ideas is uh, so important, I would say. And you know, sometimes when, when brands become part of a ritual or a, <clears throat> I'm sorry, or a part of a habit, that is when uh, they become so, so powerful. And the rituals around well-being, just like I, you were saying uh, before, uh, the value of coffee, the value of wine, the value of other uh, things is that we have in life is being reappraised. In the, but but if you see it's being reappraised in the context of habits. I was thinking about one of those products that we launched back in the day, like about 25 years ago. Whoa, going Canada. back. Yeah, well back. I don't know if you remember, remember Body Smarts. Body Smarts Body was... Smarts. Yeah, it was a product no. launched by Adams Canada, um, mm -hmm. back then Warner Lambert. And you know, we did amazing marketing at, uh, at Warner Lambert. I'm very proud of everything we did during uh, worldwide. I and mean, especially in Canada, we were like a powerhouse of insights and 
and, and, and strategy. Uh, and this one was probably ahead of its time because uh, it was all about well-being at a time where I mean, people were interested, but it was not this wave of uh, interest in better for you, better for the planet, better for me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, ethical sourcing, everything that's happening now. Back then, it was not necessarily, uh, it was the end of the 90s. So it was Whoa. not necessarily as big. However, the products were fantastic. I mean, these were developments, these were creations uh, um, on, in confectionery that had all the potential to give you a lot of benefits. And uh, it escapes my mind everything that was put in there uh, from a well-being and a dietary uh, point of view. It was a great product. Uh, it was two different formats in confectionery. So one of them was a chewable thing and something, uh, you know, something like that. But um, it was very functional. So now looking back, it didn't survive more than two years for a number of reasons. And you could talk about all of the uh, tactical reasons why it didn't work. So the placement in stores, it was put at the back of the store where confectionery is really driven by front of store um, impulse. But all of that, all of those are somewhat strategic, but a lot of them are tactic. The real thing, in my opinion, is that we, at the time, um, were trying to enter the uh, people's minds through a very functional side. So yeah, instead right. of being, enjoy this great confection, and by the way, it has all of these reasons to believe because it's better for all of these reasons, it was going take care of yourself and now you do this. So for example, if you're not a user of the category, then you're not gonna become a user just because this has better functional attributes. So the insight existed in terms of, yes, I'd love to have something that's better for me, but it had to, the, the door to it had to be still confectionery. still had to be, um, why do I have a piece of gum? Why do I have a, soft chew why do i have all of those things and yeah and the big avenue there was primarily and continues to be taste and enjoyment as simple as that because it gives me a bunch of emotional benefits behind it so um i mean hindsight is always it's always 2020 but i continue to see organizations and companies who go immediately to the functional benefits and it is very easy to lose sight of the insight. Now you that... can't let the scientists take care of the brand. You know, you get they, they, you can't. And, and oh, you need to be a social scientist to understand where a brand exists. I think two things there. It's like it goes back to that whole idea that we talked about earlier in another podcast about healthy, uh, healthy foods uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, healthy, good for you products. It's, it's a challenge there. They, they tend to still focus far more on the functional benefits than the actual rituals that you're trying to change. And, and I thought also, and, and you have to understand the cultural context. Now, these days, um, healthy and, and well-being, et cetera, is, is the cultural context is very high to receive that, but still they're coming at you with functional benefits. So it's strange, but yeah, back in 98 or when the earth was cooling and people weren't listening to uh, kid and play or whatever, and, and, and uh, MC hammer or whatever, but, um, you got to, those were the days, eh? Wow.
But it, the cultural context, good dance. I like it, Peter. But they're it missing the cultural context. In my head they, again, they, they so. were they weren't into it. You know, they 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 didn't understand. And it sounds like the laboratory. You find that a lot in in confectionery or uh, you know, obviously in, in pharmaceuticals. That's what it's all about. It's the science. But you really do need the, the breakthrough products, even in in in, uh, in pharmaceutical, tend to be ones that that speak to a ritual, that speak to something. You know, so for instance. Viagra, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a ritual and, and, and it's a need and, and they got through it to improving your life and, and just, you know, enjoying life better, etc. through the, you know, obviously the ritual sex, but also just everything else around that, the before, the after, the feeling of contentment in your life and a, and a break, right? And so coffee and sex, <laughs> they're, they're kind of similar, right? Exactly. And, you know, everything has to do with what's in our minds, what's in our heads. And, you know, um, you uh, you are an expert in understanding people's minds and, and, and make them uh, make that knowledge strategy through insights. So there are certain concepts that I think are missing for a lot of uh, business leaders and even marketers uh, around insights. So I have, I, I'd like you to correct me because I have this idea of uh, how to distinguish an insight from everything else, from a data point, from a fact. So I'd like you to tell me, what do you think of this? So I've, I believe that insights are different from data points or from facts because the facts tell you what people do. So 75% of people drink this kind of thing in the morning or 70% of people uh, wake up at this time of the day or et cetera, et cetera. And, or X amount of per people buy this thing uh, on deal versus not on deal. So all of those are facts. So they explain what people do. An insight is why people do things why it explains the behavior and the 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 emotional desire that they fulfill when they do certain things so that's the way to in my mind to differentiate that so it has served me well in 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 business but i like i love to hear your perspective as well so what do you think i mean how how do you how do you tell someone in a boardroom uh well that's an insight or wait a minute that's only a fact Well, yeah, and that's the challenge that a lot of people have, and that's a challenge of research quite often. Any any data point can be served to can can sort of be twisted to serve your own agenda, and and my job quite often is to get as much data as you can. You need all that data: qual, quant, panels, one-on-one interviews, immersive ethnography, all that kind of good stuff. But at the end of the day, all of that doesn't mean anything if, if you can't tie it together. I think it's very important always, I talk about it all the time, to understand where this is living, this data, um, how it applies to the consumer or the constituent or the citizen, whatever you, you know, you, whatever type of client you have, whether it's private, profit, government, and then and then elevate it to, to, so you can see trends and then and then you want to sort of get back into it. I always find that. Um, you come up first with hypotheses that the, the data points you to, and then you want to corroborate that. You want to actually usually go back and talk if you if you can, and and if you, if you if you don't have a big budget, then you sort of try to 
engineer it into a story can get all the data points but then sort of circle back on 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 something and get under and and get get the one thing that i and get what the um the respondents get their verbatims get their real reason why they do things and quite often it'll it, it's not going to be about a functional benefit i think the most so so first off like data points etc are good you never talk about it's it's great to see how you're doing volumetrics etc and uh, but at the end of the day if you're looking at developing a brand you want to get underneath why they believe in a product and usually it has not too much to do with the functional benefits it usually has something to do with um enjoyment uh sense of self feeling smart think of all the things that you want to be that aren't the seven deadly sins everything else <laughs> that should play into it and and even then sometimes temptation etc has played a a really good good uh role we were talking earlier about confectionery you know uh, how how it can lead to uh you know uh paramour uh relationships and things like that so yeah uh, an insight is 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 something that that changes people's perspective about whatever you're talking about um and is backed up by data rather than just a whole batch of data mm -hmm. so you start with the um trying to hunt for the human element and then uh, you back it up with um, findings of... The human element's the most important part. The I think, human element is most important. I, I, the, the tagline I have in my business is it's a human journey. And I think a lot yeah. of my clients come to me for that idea. And it's not like I I'm, I understand humans really well. It's just that I've always been a curious person. And then it's great because I, what I try to do with a client that most clients come to me sort of appreciate the cultural context and that's why they're coming to me for this. But um, sometimes you have clients that they make might you take them on the journey of, of opening their mind and really, you know, throwing out every preconceived notion they have about their category, their business, their uh, whatever their constituents or their consumers. I guess we're all consumers really. And, and then, and then you can really, so it's more of almost insight is about having a frame of mind that's open to new ideas and changing your own perspective of your product, you know? And I think, you know, you look back to your, your example from 25 years ago, if per, perhaps if, uh, you know, the functional benefit culture within the, the Warner Lambert at that time, which was great and strong in terms of product development, maybe it seems like, you know, if they had opened up their minds a bit wider to sort of bring it all in and, and really say, we love this product, but it's like, but where does it fit? Would be the big question. And, and you know, and I, I talked to the consumers who would probably, I'm, I'm sure you were talking to the consumers back then. Oh yeah. Uh, but but that in itself, you you know, it depends on who you talk to. You know, it's like, you, you could have people chew something and eat it and they go, it tastes great. And you go, oh my God, we got a winner. But if, if you don't understand everything else around that and whether or not it's going to bring in new people and, and if it doesn't speak to something, you know, foundational, like it's a moment in time, it's a break. It makes me feel smart. I It, it makes me feel like I will live longer, you know, all those things and, and make a better impact on the day or whatever. Mm -hmm. you, kind of, you kind of lose it, right? And there's a lot of brands out there. I would say, let's be honest, a whole batch of brands that are out there are just chugging along and they do fine with their data because they just slam, they slam it. They have great, uh, they got great distribution, they have great skews so they can do anything they want. Um, and, and they're kind of just chugging along. And so there's a whole batch of brands that are chugging along and maybe providing adequate sales to keep it going, but they're probably not igniting the way they could. Absolutely. And you know, one some of those drivers uh, become traditional over time and they, 
are taken as the, the the core of why people buy as opposed to finding the real why and um if we stick with confectionery for a little moment more uh back in the day uh it was a, a lot about where you were displayed so the front of store or the checkout was the prime real estate so and that became almost like the the holy grail if you had that if you had a space uh, a spot there then you would succeed and that was only partially true yes it is important for visibility findability habit forming impulse all of those reasons yes but the brand had to actually deliver the brand had to create this promise and deliver to the promise and, and be there and and if you look at um the checkouts in the front of stores even in convenience stores uh over the last few years that has uh morphed dramatically uh at some point uh there were brands like halls and trident that were dominant in those spaces and their competition uh, I mean, Holtz had no competition, basically. I mean, you would find one or two skews of Ricola here and there, and uh, perhaps now, one or fun. two of uh, Fisherman's Friend. And They're out was... there now. They're at the confectionery all the time. Yeah. But Holtz, I mean, being an uh, over-the-counter, became in Canada one of the biggest uh, brands, and it probably still is. <clears throat> but it was not only the fact that it was there, it was the benefit that it was providing, which was beyond... Uh, cough of colds. It was beyond that. Uh, that seasonal. It was confidence, I'd say. It, it was confidence that you're not going to keep coughing. You're yeah. not going to look like you're sick, and uh, and uh, freshens your breath at the same time. Exactly. All of that together. Yes. And you know, uh, the inside. When I was running that brand in Canada um, as a brand manager, the 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 way to relaunch it was precisely to understand how the heavy users were using it throughout the year. They were not using that only in the, in the winter time. So, but the need state about all of those things that you mentioned, which was, oh my God, I hope I don't get a froggy throat because then I cannot speak express myself and make the impact that i want that was really at the center it was on that confidence that i'm going to be uh, doing what i need to do with my voice and um, that was a universal appeal that uh, led to that success uh in the relaunch in the relaunch but it was understanding why those things happened and you know that was one more of those examples where i've seen that you may have tons of research um, and two things happen with that with those uh, amounts of research one they sit in, on someone's uh, hard drive or in reports but they're not digested so as you get marketers come in and out of the business the principles are forgotten and sometimes the the insight is not extracted from them it's just a big amount of reports and it, there is a tendency to say, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Well, that research is very old. Let's do a new one. Before understanding if there is any value in the insights that were gathered. There. I mean, people do not change that fast. I mean, in the things that are important, I mean, they may change some expressions of those habits uh, in the short term, just like with the pandemic, they have changed. But in general, they don't. Um, so 
people dismiss the value of research research that's there. And now, on the other hand, there is a lot of research that is not is repetitive. There is it doesn't add it's just tracking stuff, knowledge. and that's all the. There is there are lots. Yeah. I mean, I've been running uh, like in my corporate life, I ran brands where you say, well, here we have tons of research. And once that you go through what you find, you don't find really why are people doing this? Why are people thinking this way? You just get a lot of the same over and over and over. So you have to go back and say in one brand, for example, I actually had to say, well, you know, I'm going to have to um, carve a special amount of money out of the budget just to go and understand these things because you don't find them here even we even though we have tons of research there is nothing there that explains the behavior that we want to crack but you have to be clear in the behavior you have to be clear in how is this brand now going you can, to... you can have... sorry is like you can have tons of different sensors out there and that's really important but at the end of the day you need a meteorologist to pull it all together and and, and work with it and go oh we, we got something brewing here and uh and, and and where that's going so maybe we'll use that as a bit of a, a metaphor let's think of um let's do a quick little exercise to sort of figure to, to, to hone this down let's think of let's think of a few brands and, and uh that are popular either now or or in the past and maybe identify the insight we, that we think drives it just this fun little it's a game yeah so, let's, um, let's do that start i'll start you start you know so um starbucks is still around um it's funny they have so many different competitors and they still sort of tend to drive the market in some ways it used to be you know uh, it's still uh i don't know if it's at that point anymore where uh, you know, it used to be if, if, if Starbucks was coming to a uh, into a neighborhood, suddenly you would know that the neighborhood's affluence level is going up. There's more higher disposable income there, or it's going to draw more people, etc. I don't know if that's as important to the brand, and and I think we need to look at what could happen to Starbucks because you mentioned earlier the idea of like it, it's not about the functional attributes of the coffee at all. There, for instance, to start back to our conversation with Starbucks, it's about what you call what the third place. Mm -hmm. It's this other, it's, it's your place or, or something like that. It's the idea of it's a place. It was about the, what happens. Uh, it's your, it's your office away from home. It's where you can relax, et cetera, and, and get work done. And, you know, et cetera, really touched on cafe culture. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And then let's, 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 let's challenge each other with a little back and forth on, on, on a couple big brands right now. I love the idea, Mike. Thanks very much for uh, bringing that up. You know, in Starbucks is, I think, a big example of um, an insight that was there. And I find that particularly fascinating because uh, we're talking about coffee. And coffee is usually thought of as a commodity. And it is, if it's only coffee. Uh, for Starbucks, it is only one of the things that becomes a reason to believe. The promise that Starbucks made in the market at a time when it was very culturally relevant, and I'm going to touch on the on your area of expertise. Culturally, we had uh, two places. Let's say three decades ago, we had two places to go. Either we were home, or we were in the office, mm -hmm. and in between, we were just commuting. Now, um, a few years ago the need for that place where you could be kind of like in between like you were somewhat working but you were somewhat relaxing and that place where you could 
do all of those things uh, like networking, like doing something in between meetings if you were going from one place to another, that became almost like the third place. You were not home, you were not at the office, you were in a third place and there was nothing um, that would give you that. I mean, maybe there were a few shops here and there, but there was nothing as a brand uh, on a national scale that would give you that. So here comes that promise from Starbucks and they deliver in a big way. And I believe that that's still, even be, before the pandemic, that's why people were so ready to go and and be there because he was tapping on that inside, that, uh, that human need of making a connection in a nice environment where you would call it close to home and kind of like somewhat like a, a better than the office. Now, uh, that state of mind um, that is desirable, in my mind, it is uh, the reason why people go there. I mean, you are ready to pay six, seven, eight, and whatever amount of dollars for a cup of coffee when across the street you could go to any place uh, and get that for a dollar fifty. But you choose to go to Starbucks not only for the coffee you choose to go there because it fulfills all of those things that are in your mind and, I, and and that state of mind is in your mind i mean go ahead the thing that's interesting though is 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 now on that i think you're right that's where that that's why they're so successful i uh, now in the sort of post covid world etc that third place may not exist as much anymore we have a whole different cultural context that's happening offices are in flux um, people, people really are working a lot more from home. The entire notion of, uh, well, you're seeing it right now with Elon Musk uh, telling everybody to, to come back to the office or you're fired, and and everyone's sort of shaking their heads, going, "We thought you were smart," <laughs> and, and it's really, it, it's not really connecting well. So I would, if I was at Starbucks, you're starting to see it's it's actually going back um, to more of a commodity. You're seeing a lot more drive-throughs. You're seeing a lot more, and you know, before Starbucks was not about drive-through, and now you see them on the on routes, etc. And I, I, I think it's it's getting back to like just what's in the product and maybe product diversity and all that kind of good stuff. I think they have a great functional benefit that's still there. You know, it seems to always be pretty quality coffee or pretty quality expensive drinks and all that kind of stuff. But I think it is getting diluted. And I would say, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see where that's gone. I would say a brand that that that's that's out of their whole area that's now doing better um, in terms of as the brand, and, and even that is sort of dying a little bit, is uh, or receding a bit, I wouldn't say dying, is, uh, is Nespresso, right? Um, that whole idea of the quality coffee maker at home, you create your own third place. You create that sense of, again, it becomes an oasis, you know? And, and especially now, it's about pulling off your AirPods and, and uh, taking a break, and that's where you can do the networking. It might be in your house, it might be somewhere else, and then you saw other, other a big trend that happened maybe you know 10 15 years ago in offices was uh, the development of you know uh, bring your own gazio machine into your agency office your marketing office whatever and that was the place where people could do the same thing they started creating their own third place probably because they didn't want everyone going over uh, whatever but so that's a great examination of of a, of a fantastic brand built on a big insight that had a lot less to do with the functional benefits than than um than, than, than just a cultural context. But now I think it's changing and I would say the, 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 the brand is, is, is um, suffering, I would think. Well, it is. Um, it, you know, that's why um, they brought back the, um, uh, the founder and for a third term as a CEO, 
Uh, I think that happened only a few weeks ago. And uh, because he has been driving every time that he has been at the helm of the company, he has been driving growth. And now they brought him back because they're in this uh, uncharted territory again. Um, and as you say, for example, if you become more of a uh, provider of beverages on a drive-through, how how different are you really from um, McDonald's or from anything else? So you can get right. those uh, delicious uh, frozen coffee beverages. Almost like they, they have become the commodity. Mm-hmm. And um, in that third place, which was the big idea behind the brand of Starbucks may not be there in the future because of all the reasons you said. I mean, culturally, we're changing. There is no desire to go to an office, at least not for the short term. I was reading an article yesterday in the Global Mail about um, commercial real estate entrepreneur and, uh, who was basically saying, well, you know, don't expect the office to come back not even in five years. I mean, there is no real going back as long as we continue in this trend of economic forces the way they are people are not going to go back to an uh an office as a work space and that's where i think the um the insight behind going back as we call it is um is missing because the workspace has become this i mean you and i are working right now or we're doing uh, we're, we're creating value, just like many other people are creating value and using these tools to get close to other people. That connection through that's enabled by a ton of other things like Slack and Teams and Zoom and all of those things that we use in order to exchange information and collaborate have replaced that physical space. And I think that that um, bringing that back to the insight that drove Starbucks to the huge success that they've had is now changing. It has shifted under their feet. And what is it going to be the next one? Will they be able to create a new uh, strategy based on a new powerful insight? I don't know. I hope they do because it's a very successful um, team and they have uh, they have done amazing things. And one of the what one thing that gives me a lot of hope that they will is that well the the founder uh, has been very focused on instead of the financial direction that the company was taking now he has said we're going to focus on operations he ha- he has stopped a number of things in order to refocus on the operations in the store which is basically code for the experience how do we make the experience better now, yeah, it'll be interesting th- to see where that goes. Where that goes, because in, in, in the one thing that I that gives me hope uh, in the brand, in the in in, in in them finding the next big insight, is that they're consumer centric. Um, they, um, I remember not that long ago, uh, probably about six seven years ago, uh, that they took the time to stop their operations in several areas so that they could retrain people in order to welcome guests and make them feel at home. And the one thing that blew my mind is that one of the ways to do that is to make sure that people have unrestricted access to the, to, to the washroom. 
and that that clicked in me as oh my god this this these folks really understand the consumer if this is about the third place i mean the, one of the most fundamental things in the third place is to have a nice clean washroom and mm. and if you uh, train the 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 brand uh people who are the face of the brand like the baristas and everyone taking care of you when you get into a starbucks to make you feel at home and make you feel that you can use their facilities then you're actually strategically aligned to the brand purpose to the brand idea to the brand uh positioning so that that gives me a lot of hope in that brand for them to to find the next the next one but it's it's a tough one i don't know like it's a tough one because they've changed the whole society has changed in a sort of a product of its time exactly Uh, the whole society has changed and you know what go ahead no, I was just thinking it's a great, I think it's a great, um, we, we've come across just in our amazing uh, bi-weekly discussions here. We've come, I was going to make that scattershot approach, but I think we're not going to do that. I think we, I, let's focus in on this. This has been a great discussion. And I think there's a couple other discussions that we can uh, piggyback on this for, for next time that we can share with uh, our listeners. That would be, let's talk about um, maybe Tesla. That would be great. Oh, I'd also yes. like to talk about um, what's next during this whole, I think really culture, the big cultural change that's happening right now is the, the change of the work and office uh, space. Let's let, let's identify what are some great opportunities within that for brands. I think that would be uh, a great one to think about too. I agree. I totally agree. And you know, I, I, I find this fascinating uh, as part of our discussions, Mike, because you find value in those insights as soon as you find the insight then you build a story around it and uh in in a brand can become um category of one as it doesn't matter how how commoditized the products are if the brand idea is relevant and distinctive enough then it becomes almost like a space only for that brand and um you know, um, let, let, let's do that. I, uh, I, um, I cannot say uh, how, I cannot overemphasize how important it is to have the right insights behind them and to spend time in getting the insight right. And, Thank uh, you so much. That's a great perspective there, Peter. Yeah. Um, let, let's, let's, uh, let, I, I can hardly wait to talk about these other discussions, but I think this was a good we sort of got by having our coffee we got into a coffee discussion and insight and where that might place and cultural context and at the end of the day that's what it's all about the functional benefit is one thing but the insight and and the way it plays in the lives of consumers is is far more important it's far more important and you know what i love of this is that um it has a tremendous value to drive margins so um when you have that people want to pay for that value it doesn't add. become about you stop comparing oh my god this cup of coffee is so expensive compared to that or a cup of coffee you you move people out of that conversation in their minds into oh well anyone can make coffee but there's only one starbucks and that yeah. is what that's what you want because that has a direct impact on the pnl because you can when you have high margins then you can do a lot of things and the only thing that enables a high margin is good marketing. That is the only thing that enables that because when you can when you can match your price to the value people believe you bring as a brand, 
then you're golden because then the cost becomes almost like the way to enable that. So um, if people are happy to spend 10 bucks per person per visit just to enjoy a third place as we were discussing, it's very different from saying, let's go grab a cup of coffee for 10 bucks. No, it, it becomes a very valuable thing to go and spend an hour talking with a friend in a nice environment. Oh, certainly I would pay 10 bucks. Why not? It's very inexpensive. It's a lot of value for 10 bucks. That's another if great you... discussion to talk about is uh, we're, we got, we're already coming up with new podcast topics here. Another one is aspirationality. So stay tuned, everybody. We got a lot yeah. more to talk about here. <laughs> Thanks tuned. so much for your time, Peter. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mike. It's always a pleasure. And I'm so glad that we can have this, uh, this conversation. And I believe that, um, the, with the feedback we're getting from, um, our listeners, we can make them better. So don't hesitate. Just shoot us a note. Uh, you know where to find Mike. He is the president of Pharrell Insight and he is on LinkedIn all the time. So you can just find him, Mike Pharrell, and you know, uh, where to find me I'm on LinkedIn as well, Peter Rodriguez and uh, Brand Igniter. So, Thank you. And this was our episode for today. Thanks very much for joining us. I would like to remind you to look for more information in the description of this podcast or on your screen if you're watching this episode on YouTube. This is Peter Rodriguez. I look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Thank you. This was Brand Igniter. Subscribe and join us next time for more insights and stories that help brand leaders achieve exceptional business results. A podcast from Brand Igniter Inc.